Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. You've got into podcasting for last year. I think you're coming, or have you come up to your first year anniversary? Just past that? Yeah, just past the, the first year anniversary, and um, I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. And, and I'll tell you what I am loving about it, because for 30 years, and, and I, I love what I did, but for 30 years, I've had a producer, a producer and or director and or executive producer saying, you got 45 seconds and make sure you include this somewhere. Don't swear, don't say this, don't tell this story. Um, I've lived, although I've done my, my own thing, I've lived within very strict parameters that, that you have to in the, in the TV land. Podcasting, as you guys well know, no rules. Do what you want. If I want to do four podcasts this week and none next week, well, that's exactly what I'm going to bloody do. If I don't want to talk to a footy player this week, but I'm uh, but I want to speak to uh, a leukemia survivor that is now the mother of three kids and a bodybuilder, it's exactly what I'm going to do. And I am going to talk about that game and this game and this bloke and that bloke and. I'm enjoying the no rules of it. The, the The podcast is called Unfiltered. That doesn't mean that's not potty talk and that doesn't mean, you know, swearing. It just means uh, for the first time ever, I am unfiltered. I don't have parameters. I don't have rules. And you're probably getting a, a more accurate version of Andy Raymond. Now, that might not be everyone's cup of tea either. Uh, but I'm, 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 I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm enjoying the storytelling within the interviews, especially with the retired guys. And um, even though I should be enjoying a bit of an off-season, some outstanding interviews for next year already done and in the planning that uh, you're going to go, wow, that's what that guy's doing now. And I remember him. So there's some cool stuff coming. You say there's no potty talk, but there's a few fart jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and look, straight away, Scotty's laughing. Uh, we're boys. We're in a, you know, girls are girls are smarter than us. We're born with, you know, with the the meat and veg. But girls are smarter than us. When you when you're a bloke, you laugh at fart noises. I'm fifty. I if someone farts, I still laugh. I think it's hilarious. If I see a lady topless on the beach. It's the greatest day of my life. We're immature. <laughs> we're, we're silly. And we wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> I, I would have liked, I would love to say that your podcast was the second best rugby league uh, podcast under ours. <laughs> I would like to say that. But honestly, it's my favourite rugby league podcast. I really appreciate that. And the interviews, uh, the, the watch, um, the you know the humor but also you know just letting it go like some of the interviews like you mentioned Derek Evans which I was going to ask about but then Michael Crocker Dave Taylor is someone I really love Josh Morris is one yeah. there's a few like there's just a few that I've listened to I actually flick it on while cleaning the house or while driving to work to make that a little bit less um annoying yeah. a lot of people these days are, are, are saying you know, they're not listening to, you know, standard radio and they, they, they plug the phone in as soon as they get into the car. And, you know, the way technology is now, you plug it in and if you haven't finished the episode, it stops and restarts as soon as you get back into the car. So, 
uh, tailor-made in this wonderful world of modern technology we live in. But I'm enjoying it. Um, still involved with the league, with uh, with commentary. Uh, a few things coming up in, in 2022 that are, that are both exciting and challenging, but uh, I'll stand there and have a swing. What's the key, though, to making a good interview? Like, there's just so many on your like, page. I would encourage all our, like, followers uh, who listen to our podcast weekly or when we post them, I guess, because that's the rule of podcast, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but they're outstanding. And um, we've shared a few on our social pages, especially those, you know, connected to the Bulldogs, like the yeah. Josh Morris one. But what's the key to making a good interview? Like, I listen to it and, you know, it's 40 minutes. It's an hour, some of them. Some yeah. of them are shorter. But yet, use the Josh Morris. I think that was about forty odd minutes. Mm. Feels like ten minutes though. Like the entertainment value. Like, I was, how do you uh, uh, look? Keep in mind, I've been doing it for a long, long time, so I'm able to read the guy pretty well. The uh, key points of preparation, uh, and and knowing the direction that, in a perfect world, you would like the interview to go. Um. One thing you guys have done really, really well, and I'll compliment you on on, on this, is, uh, and it's not hard to get a conversation out of me, but you've pointed me in a direction and let me go. A lot of podcast hosts, interviewers, feel they are the star of the show when the star of the show is the guest because that's why you've asked them to be on. And, and you guys have done it. Uh, not that I'm a star in any right, so don't blow up at me. Um, you guys have done it perfectly. You've sort of pointed me in that direction and, and let me go and let me finish out and haven't interrupted. And that's, that's storytelling. That is perfect storytelling. Um, and that's, that's how I like to do it. I like to wind up, uh, wind up the guest and let them take over. Let them be the star of the show. And um, the shorter the question, the longer the answer, the better. Here's one for you. Back the early Channel 7 days, I've never forgotten this. And this was probably late 1980s, even before I started working officially. A guy called John Brady, who was a sports reporter and presenter he would move into a media manager's role with the ARL during the Super League War um, and then then went in as a media advisor in politics. Very, very smart dude. And he told me as a, a 15, 16-year-old, he said, the best question you can ever ask is one word, why? Mm. I went, what the hell is he talking about? Think about this. Bulldogs finish a game. Say to Trent Barrett, um, Trent, you know, disappointing. You only went down by two. Um, what'd you make of the game? Yeah, mate, it was dis it was disappointing. We went down by two. Um, we didn't do the things that we need to do. Why? Yeah, well. And then they've then they're forced to explain themselves and not give just the generic answer. So I often keep that uh, handy in the back of my head. If if I've got an unresolved question answer situation, I just hit them with the why. 
simple but effective. I love it. I yeah. actually love that. Um, just to, you said earlier, not a star by any means. That's what using using your words. Um, I just before I throw it to Matthew for the next question, I just want to let you know. Uh, we posted it all over our social media pages that you know you're coming on as a special guest when you gave us permission to, and we've been doing that for a bit. Twitter, it actually blew up. We've had responses by people saying the great Andy Raymond, oh. our favorite eel, and I was like loved by the loved by the blue and white. Um, so just letting you know, it was actually I think a, a couple more interactions than some of our ex Bulldogs players were coming on the show. So you've got some popularity uh, with the blue and whites. There, God bless you, Bulldogs fans. Actually, I've got a really cool one. I'll make this short, but I've got a cool one about Bulldogs fans. I was sidelined at a game it was Bulldogs Roosters, and I was wearing these old school headphones, and I felt this is late in the game. It was a full Coke bottle uh, from the crowd. Dirty rotten rooster supporter. <laughs> Bulldogs fans got him. <laughs> they took matters into their own hands at the Sydney Footy Stadium. We'll look after, our own. We'll look after our own. Exactly. Love you, Bulldogs fans. <laughs> and I'm scared shitless of you as well, but love you, Bulldogs fans. <laughs> well, that's, that's rugby league, though, again, isn't it? Like, yeah. be most bitter rivals or, or whatnot, but we're all, we're all rugby league people, which makes us all friends. Exactly. So... There's a lot of favourite interviews and most memorable interviews. What about the hardest interviews or interviews with people and just not giving you anything? I might throw one at you. Particular press conference with Wayne Bennett one night. Yeah, uh, Wayne's Wayne. And do you know what? I'm, um, I am facilitating this weekend up here at Twin Waters uh, a coaching seminar with Wayne and Greg Chappell as the guest speakers. So I'm introducing him and I'm going to get the old bastard back. Um, yeah, Wayne, Wayne's, um, Wayne reads the media, Wayne listens to the media, says he doesn't, says he won't, but he does. And he pulls you aside if he doesn't like something but he won't ever say thank you. That's that's just Wayne. He's prickly. He thinks it's part of his persona and part of his advantage over you. Um, I've never never bought into it, and I, I giggle at it, and, and it that makes him even angrier. Um, I can always get a smile out of him. You know, keep in mind now, I've, I've known him for thirty years. We've never had an issue. Um, but yeah, just prickly. And look, to be honest, I find a lot of his press conferences predictable, stupid, and uh, and childish. Uh, and if it was anyone else, they'd get reprimanded. But that's that's Wayne. There was one with Des Hasler one night, and I'll tell you what Desi used to do. And it wasn't when he was a bulldog; it was when he was an eagle. What Desi would used to do and probably still does with, with others if you trust them, he would say to me before an interview, hey, mate, hey, mate, um, can, you, can you ask me about this because there's something I'd really like to, you know, I'd really, I'd really like to speak about. I'd say, okay, no worries. And so I always helped him out if he wanted to have a, a rant about the referees or 
whatever it was. I always asked him and, and, and did what he requested. But I asked him a question, and it was something along the lines of, but, um, they just lost the game, and I said, you guys were forced to defend six sets back to back to back late in the, in the, uh, in the, in the second half. Whilst you didn't lose the game, that says to me, Des, that you have got something really special, a committed footy side. And he barked at me six times. It was eight times. What game are you watching? Well, this is live press conference on Fox Sports on a Monday night, and I called him an F-wit. <laughs> and I, I, I did it off microphone. And you know what? Only two people, or from what I can gather, one person heard it but then passed on the message. The one person that heard it was Mark Geyer. He passed it on to his brother-in-law, Greg Alexander, who was commentating at the ground with me, and the next thing I know, Brandy's down in the dressing room with me saying, what's happened? Are you, are you and Desi all right? Because he, he lives just around the corner from Des Hasler, does Brandy. Um, so there, there's an interview that, that turned pear-shaped very, very quickly, but we're fine now. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if I'm more sh- not shocked. I don't know. Desi's an interesting character. He's always been, I feel like, yeah. when he does press conferences, I feel like he was a hard one to get things out just watching from home because he yeah. would speak did he naturally speak with that i suppose that voice because he comes across really fast and yep. raspy he, he does and he he never did as a player um at some stage he he's supremely fit des Hasler, physically fit and he has to be because he carries such uh such an immense load uh mentally or, or psychologically or emotionally he is so invested that his physical fitness is probably the only thing keeping him even remotely sane and, and, and keeping the blood pressure and everything down um, but he, he's changed dramatically as a person over the years uh, from the from the player he was he was always a little intense uh, but he, he's outright crazy. <laughs> Uh, at the moment, Des, and has been for a number of years. Um, wonderful coach, but has has an inability to let anyone else on his coaching team really make any decisions or do anything themselves. He oversees absolutely everything and probably micromanages too much, but he's successful. I mean, I'm, I'm not criticising the guy, but he... Uh, he just takes on so much and it has got to take such a toll at some stage. Back to the podcast, two part question. What has you been your favorite interview or moment on the unfiltered podcast? And what can you tell us about what's happening next year with, with your podcast? Weird one, but as a storyteller, um, you know, every interview I've done goes in a, a, a slightly different direction. It's not the same questions. It's not the same answers because it's not the same person with the same emotions. I got a huge kick out of interviewing um, Bob McCarthy and Michael Cleary from that wonderful South Sydney side of the late 1960s. And both of them telling me firsthand accounts of Clive Churchill because Clive was the coach there at South Sydney. Now, 
When we hear the name Clive Churchill, most rugby league fans have heard the name a thousand times. Half of those fans have probably seen highlights at some stage. Half of that have probably heard third-hand, fourth-hand stories of Clive Churchill. Well, Bob and Mike were able to say, well, Clive was my coach and he said this. And as a footy tragic, I'm sitting there with this interview thinking, wow, first-hand accounts of the little master. And I love that type of stuff. And, and I, I really, really enjoyed uh, sitting down with, with, with two wonderful guys in Bob McCarthy, who was a bulldog for a short time, and also Michael Cleary, who was uh, one of four men only to represent Australia in three different sports. So you're talking to, you know, absolute sporting royalty. Love that. Um, and, and they probably stand out more than others. Um just for that very reason, I think we've done um, the second part of the question. We've done, um, I'm going to say, six Legends Series interviews for next year already. And the, and the beauty of our podcast is, um, and we advertise it any episode, any time. If you missed an episode when it came out, it doesn't matter because none of them are time critical. You can play them whenever you, you know, you're ready to listen and they'll make sense. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to give anything away, but I'm going to give you a few guesses. Um, oh. We've got a World Cup winning captain. We've got a guy declared as his country's greatest ever. We've got a guy that won two premierships, one on the wing and one at 5'8". We had a guy with lots of kids. We've got... Uh, I, think got I think I've got the lots of kids one. Yeah, I reckon you're probably, probably thinking what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, and i tell you who we do have, um, and this can be the spoiler because he's one of your favourites. We have got the great Jason Hetherington. Oh, um, and it, it is phenomenal. And he, you know, as we get older, we forget things. He reminded me during the interview, he made his test debut in 1998. And at that time, I was doing sideline for Fox and I was also working Fox Sports News and travelling with touring footy sides. He was a late call-up into the, into the side in New Zealand. And he gets to New Zealand and I'm staying, I'm over there reporting for Fox Sports News and I'm staying in the same motel on the same floor as the players. And New Zealand in Auckland, it was, everything was booked out. There was a couple of huge different events, but everything was booked out. So Jason comes over and there is no room in the motel. And we, we, we were mates and had been mates for a number of years Cut a long story short, he made his test debut, but he also was my roommate. So he's over there playing. I'm over there in a working capacity, and I think it was the team manager, and or it might have been Wayne, actually. Wayne Bennett was the coach. 
uh, would you mind if come you know, there's no more rooms? Can Jason uh, get can he move in next to you? I said, yeah, of course he can. Of course he can. That's that's not a problem. So we're on on the weekend that he made his test debut. We're also roomies, which. Uh, yeah, it couldn't, it wouldn't, it would never happen now, but wind the clock back 23 years. Great story. That is remarkable. That is, that is insane. Um, so you room, yeah, roomy with a Australian international. Yeah. Like a Bulldogs legend. Um, and, and things were a little bit, little bit looser back then than, than what they are now and the relationship between the players and certain members of the media uh, was was really, really positive and really good. If the players and the coach liked you um, and trust, not even liked you, trusted you, um, mate, you, you were given absolute all access. Keeping in mind, this is before um, phones had cameras in them and stuff like that. But I've done... I'll say 12, 13 different tours with the Australian side to New Zealand and also the UK and the amount of naughty stories that I know, but I've never, ever repeated, um, you know, as long as the Bulldogs premiership list, that is. Um, but they, they, they trusted you. And, you know, nights before, I often found the night before the test match was, was always an enjoyable night. There was there was no beers, there was no misbehaving. The players couldn't sleep, and our, this uh, this game that the Jason made his test debut in, there was a few. There was a few of them that couldn't sleep, and it was two o'clock in the morning the night before the test match, and we're staying at like the Hilton Hotel or whatever it was in the in the middle of Auckland. You don't go out, you don't even go down to the foyer, but it, there ended up card games sitting on the floor in the hallway of the Hilton Hotel on on level 16. And everyone's playing cards. They're just so pumped up. They're so ready to go. They want to rip in. Of course, they can't go to bloody sleep, so they all end up meeting in the hallway playing cards. Taking my bloody money too. <laughs> That's that's really good to hear because you hear a lot of like negativity around the international games. So to see it mean that much to players um, is is really good to hear. But mm. all right, let's move on to a topic that we don't like to talk about too often on here. But the Parramatta Eels have had a couple of good years. They've bowed out in the finals a couple of times now. Um, probably not too far away from the old choker chestnut to come out yeah. in the media i'm sure it will at some stage um where to next and what, what do you think of the current eels yeah i i think they've they've excelled i think they're um in terms of roster i think they're they're probably one player or a couple of years of development short just in the outside backs the center's Still a bit of a, a worry for me, but um, without giving too much away, I, I am expecting um, perhaps a new addition to the Eels over the next couple of weeks. It may or may not interest you guys. I don't know. Um, I think you go back 
there has been the blown chances and they, you know, 1998, that loss to you guys in, in that final, which I'm quite sure you're going to bring up at some stage. Um, that was our year. Then 2001, 2009. Holy shit. I'm getting a headache thinking about this. Um, I think, and I did an interview with Nathan Brown yesterday, two days ago. And we spoke about the semi-final loss to Penrith this year. And there were, you know, our social media is just a platform for the anonymous to rip into everyone and anyone. That night, everyone, if they're a Bulldogs, a Dragons, a Titans, a, an Eagles fan, they were just saying, Harry, you lost, but wow, what a performance, what a game. And I, I think, would have we liked to have won the game? Absolutely. But I think this could be the best thing to happen to us. It showed these blokes what they're capable of. And they were bloody outstanding. There, there was injuries. Um, there were stuff-ups, but they just kept showing up. And to get beaten like that, oh, you know, again, you'd love the win, but I, I think, uh, I think there's something to build on. And the crazy thing is, I can look through most sides. I'm a positive dude by nature. I'm not. Um, I'm not a negative guy. Apart from the wife, then I can't find any positives. But I, I'm a positive guy, and I can find something positive for pretty much every side for next season. Um, and that's what's so cool about footy and, and about being a tragic that we look for the positives for our own side. We try and kick the opposition when they're down a little bit, but I can, I can genuinely see a positive for most sides for 2022. And I love the summer months because no one's missed a tackle. No one's lost a game. We're all talking it up. Then round one hits Reality bites and we get a bit of a taste of what's to come for the next six or seven months. Absolutely. I'm always trying to get about 12 or 13 teams into the top eight somehow. Yeah. I haven't worked it out yet, but <laughs> look at that. How, how do you see next year? Are we going to have that gap again, the top four or five maybe, and then then a bit of a race on for the, for the last couple of spots in the eight? Yeah, I reckon there will be a gap, whether whether it'll be a top five or a top four, or whether it will sort of even out more. Yeah. Um, I reckon there will be some sort of gap, but I feel like it's been over. Like the, at times, the gap's been pretty big, but I think yeah. it's been over talked about as well. So do I. I I, I really really do. Um, Penrith and Melbourne were were standouts last year, and mm. you know most others in some way, shape or form, you know, fell in there up into those type of numbers. But yeah, I, I think it has been, I think it's a negative slant and I think there's too many good positive yarns. I think heading towards the finals though, as most years you've got six or seven, probably six to be honest, teams that could actually win it. If you go eight weeks out from the finals around there, you probably have, five to six teams that can actually win it, depending yep. on how the next couple of months go and all that. But if you go back to every premiership and all that, those teams pretty much dominate every year. Yeah, 
you're exactly 2000, you're, 2004 Bulldogs were a dominant team. Yep. Um, pick pick any of them, and they've been pretty dominant. I don't remember too many teams not winning and not being a good team or a dominant team that year. There's, um, there's never been a lucky premier. I guarantee you that. I've, I've heard that. Oh, they were lucky to win that grand final. They were lucky to win that premiership. Bullshit they were. I almost said even this year when they Melbourne and Penrith were the uh, two teams. Mm. We went to the finals and I was hearing talks saying, you know, on social media, it's just going to be Melbourne versus Penrith grand final. Yep. Set them up now. It's going to be a re replay of the 2020 grand final. Um, week one, South beat Penrith in the yeah. final. Full spanner on the work straight away from the get-go. Um, then you almost the Titans beating the Roosters um, in that game. The, the pass, the, you know, some other, you know, other things impacted that. Yep. Then you go into week two. Para could have easily gone over Penrith. Yeah. And could so, have easily, which I thought they were a little bit unlucky, but I don't want to bring too much, you know, sadness at the Eels. Um, but like, you know, Para could have easily, and that would have really thrown a spell in the works. Penrith, who actually won the grand final this year, almost got knocked out in week two of the finals. Yeah, that's right. The grand final. Then they go on to beat Melbourne. I gave them no chance of going on to beat Melbourne. I thought Melbourne week off, bang. Goes to show, like, I don't know, finals is a thing. So I even if there is a gap in your top four to fifth, mm. it goes to show when finals comes, it doesn't really matter how big that gap is on competition points or whatever it is. Exactly. If you're playing in that time of the year, it's only yeah. one good performance or you need a couple of good performances and then you've got the premiership. And then if you can once, do that. Yeah, once you get to finals time, you're 160 minutes away from a grand final. And that's that's either two tries or three missed tackles. Mm. Whatever whatever happens first. Mm. And you could put it um, like you know, if you say like someone in the top four winner, I know it's very rare. I mean, it hasn't happened, but we had Bulldogs. I'd like to say we made it the grand final in 2014. Yeah. Um, one game away. We did get smacked at the end of that game. But yeah. if we were to win it or someone out of the top four were to win it, you couldn't say they didn't deserve that because they went backs against the wall the whole Absolutely. way through. Absolutely, yeah. So I don't buy it. I'm with you guys. I don't buy the gap overly too much, but I actually think the gap won't be a top four next year. I think it'll be a, maybe a top two gap. And I think what, three what, to six or something. Par Parramatta and who? Canterbury. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might get some good odds for that right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you've mentioned it a few times, Andy. The year was 1998. I think it's become a bit of a, yep. a favourite story of Bulldogs fans. I made my wife watch the game a couple of months ago, actually. And after about 55, 60 minutes, she's going to me, why are you forcing me to watch this? This is terrible. Why are yeah. you so excited? And then obviously it shifts. But um, do you remember watching it? What are your memories? Mate, I was there. Uh, I was there in a working capacity with Fox Sports, but it would have been Fox Sports News because I was watching. Uh, so I was seated just above the tunnel, the back of the first tier. Uh, pretty happy with life for 72 minutes or 68 minutes, whatever it was. Um, wow. What an amazing game. And... The crazy thing is the Bulldogs had built a reputation on the back of Billy Johnston's training that they were the side that was coming to get you. Didn't matter how far you ran, they were coming to get you. And it, even at 18-2, you, 
you, as a para fan, I was fearing that, you know, you, your one missed tackle or one, one short, good pass away from absolute disaster. Amazing. And that game is still talked about. I've done, I've had chats with Jason Hetherington, uh, with Rod Silver, with Nathan Kalis about that game. Um, and it's like, to all three of them, it's like it happened yesterday. They still remember every single point and point of difference throughout the, uh, you know, the up until the 80th minute, once it went into extra time, that was sort of the anticlimactic part because we all knew what was happening beyond that. And it was a Canterbury victory. Um, but that was, that was Billy Johnson, Steve folks, Peter Moore, Bulldogs tough um, was the type of environment, the type of culture that the gentleman like that had, had, uh, had born uh, and perpetuated. And it was Bulldogs tough and, and even as an Eels fan, Legends, I would love to see your Bulldogs get back to not the entertainers, um, the Bulldogs tough, because there is nothing like it and nothing that can beat it in the NRL, that mentality. It would be great if we could get a good Bulldogs team and a good Eels team in the same year. <laughs> Let's happen for a while. We We're taking six- turns. We'd get 60,000, 70,000 at um, oh, Bush if you? both teams were flying. So it yep. is a bit disappointing. I think the only thing that comes close to that game from a Bulldogs perspective, and it probably doesn't reach it, but uh, 2002 has an Masri from the sideline. That's at Newcastle. Well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah, that was yeah, that was phenomenal. One of, the, one of the great misconceptions about Hazem and Daryl, uh, quite possibly the two best goal kickers, we've ever seen, but everyone says, weren't they great goal kickers? No, they were bloody great footballers. Both represented at the highest possible level. Yes, they were good goal kickers, but yes, they were great footballers too. They, They weren't there for their goal kicking. They weren't as big and strong and fast and elusive as some we've seen before and since, but they had everything it takes to be an international first grader and two guys who I really think rank up there when you're talking about all time underrated. Absolutely. No one talks about the try scoring brilliance of Hazard or Masri, Yeah. But he, he got a ton of tries. He, he probably would have been second in most tries for the year behind some para player. I'd reckon <laughs> he was that good. <laughs> 250 tries for Hazard's career. Yeah, it's, it's very much, um, yeah, not yeah, like you said, not spoken about for his try score because over 150 tries, you can't do that nah, accidentally. Nah. Um, you've got to have, you know, skill, talent, and I think he was a very crafty little one, like um, very, I'd say, cheeky almost type yeah. of winger. That quite cheeky against um, opposition wingers and stuff, and. I ways you put the ball and pretend he's going to grab a kicker back on the inside and make people fall for it. And every time he goes in the corner and you go, when does he grab it? But why does he make me believe yeah. that he's doing what? it? He's not doing this, but I'm believing he's doing this. Yeah. And yeah, another try. With uh, Parramatta, there's a lot of speculation just with the final of what I've with the Eels is um, 
lot of players off contract this coming season, the 2022 season. Um, the talks, I suppose, of a premiership window. I know Matt doesn't like that term of premiership window at all. Uh, he said that in the podcast about like 20 times, I think, this year. Uh, but with a big call of players, I know Gufferson and Campbell Gillard committed to long term. We don't know what Reed, Reed could be wearing a Bulldog jersey in mm. He, he liked the sweet and sour pork and the Mongolian lamb at the, the Chinese <laughs> restaurant in which he was photographed. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Look, it's not it's not desirable to have so many stars coming off contract at the one time. And this is just my opinion. This isn't an insight. Um, they had to let Isaiah Papali go. They signed him on... 175 was reported and he left on 625. Um, and congratulations to Isaiah. Wonderful season in 2021. I hope he's able to back that up in 2022. But I think the West Tigers, on the back of one year of performances, have paid massive overs for Isaiah on the back of one year. Otherwise, the Warriors wouldn't have let him go. What Brad has done and what Isaiah has done is commendable. It's awesome. And um, I haven't had anything to do with Isaiah uh, as a bloke or as a footballer. I don't think I've ever interviewed him. Sensible salary cap governance says he's. you've got to let him go. Uh, Murata Niakore, I would have loved to have stayed. But the money that Murata is, is now getting at the Warriors. Oh, my goodness. Um, for you know, Terrific footballer. Terrific footballer. But that type of money is 80 minutes a week, 25 weeks of the year. And that's not what Murata has been. I would have loved to have seen him stay. Um, that's huge dollars, absolutely huge. So they've they've been forced into picking and choosing. Um, there's others there that I would have let go before Murata. I think Reed stays, and I'm not sure about Junior. I'm not sure about Junior. Um, I think one of them stays. And one of them maybe uh, maybe ends up at the Dolphins. There's the big unknown. If if the Dolphins miss out on Brandon Smith, then they've missed out on Brandon and this bloke and this bloke and this bloke and this bloke, and they're going down the list. Well, they are going to be throwing lotto numbers at Kalen Ponga, and beyond that, they'll be throwing Powerball numbers at the Junior Paulos, the Reed Marnies, uh, and anyone that wants to play gets a game on 300 a grand a year. Um, they're going to be in an, um, an astonishing position that could turn the salary cap on its head because you might... Here's a hypothetical. If Reed and Junior stay at Parramatta and... Brandon Smith goes to the Roosters and Caelan Ponga stays at the Knights. Four players, if they if they all just stay where they are. All of a sudden, 
The gap to the next player off contract is a considerable one. But the Dolphins won't have signed anyone. So they are going to be signing three and four hundred thousand dollar players for eight and nine hundred thousand dollars to get them up there. That turns the whole system on its head and creates just this gigantic vacuum where four or five blokes are getting paid triple what they're worth. Um, it could be huge the next couple of weeks. And I think it will all go down in the, in the next couple of weeks. There we go. I look forward to that. I'm surprised that it's been a bit slow as it is. I would have thought straight away after the November 1st, but there it is. How about we turn our attention to the Bulldogs next year? Uh, what what do you like from the Bulldogs? Um, where do you think we'll come? Where can, where can they improve? Where do they have to improve? Uh, for me, um, yeah, everyone, everyone's got a theory. For me, too many backs, not enough forwards. Uh, I think uh, I think Hooker is now the most important position in the game. Hmm. Uh not only quick service, but quick identification. Uh, and that's what Reed Marnie's really good at. Um, so if you do get him, it's a, a step in the right direction, but that won't be for another year. A lot of outside backs, boys. Uh, and considering, you, you know, you'd already bought Nick Kotrick. Um, you got young Aaron Shoup, who I just love. He, he's going to be my next man crush after Dale Finucane. Uh, just a just a tough dude that uh, that's a footy player. Um, yeah, too many outside backs for me on unusually large coin. Um, I would have loved to have seen uh, a bit more in the middle of the field. I think Viliami Kikau has secured the deal of the century. That type of money for a back rower uh, and the way the game's being played, coached. And, and the results are being formed, the back rower is probably the least significant position on the field as it stands at the moment under the new rules. So the money they've poured into Viliami, but but it's a marquee signing. I know it's not for next year, but it's a marquee signing. Uh, I hope it works out. I don't know how much salary cap you guys are going to have left. Is there? Would there be anything left yet? <laughs> Enough for Reed. I don't think we re-signed many players, did we? Yeah. <laughs> Post-2023, it's only a handful. Yeah, I think we've only got five players. Is it really? Here, isn't it? On books. Or, or not including Kikau and uh, those whatever new Looking forward to seeing, and no doubt you guys are as well, but looking forward to seeing Matty Burton. Yeah. Um, no, and, and this isn't a question mark in, in any way. We saw him so good at centre, mm. you know, logic says, yeah, should be better at his preferred position as 5'8". Mm. But, you know, when, you, when you're one closer to the ruck, you don't have as much time, you don't have as much space. Um, really keen to see he's a natural footy player and he's a beauty. Um, but his centre is spot. Oh, wow. After what he did last year, he'd have it's to be argument. any good six. Yeah, I think it'd be a slow burn. I think you might yeah. have a lot of eyes on him and it, uh, he might take a little while to get going. Um, yeah. and, uh, probably that's true for the whole team because they're coming from all over the place. Need to Who's your seven? Uh, 
Who's your seven? Uh, I'm backing Flanner. Yeah. I reckon if he gets a long crack with Burden inside him at a yep. car out, out on the edge, uh, and a bit more support and maybe a bit more certainty around his position, yep. um, I reckon he could be the NRL player that we all want him to be. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. What about you? Yeah, no, I'll... I'll um... I, I am biased. I've known the family. I've known Shane and Kath for for uh, even longer than I've been uh, commentating. Um, and I've known Kyle since he was a bub. It, there's there is something there. And for you Bulldogs fans, I know you you're probably pulling your hair out, and you'll you'll end up with a bad can do like this. Um, and it, it hasn't worked out with Kyle as yet. Um, I honestly think there's something there. I really, really do. And, you know, football smarts. He's not going to be the fastest halfback you've ever seen. Um, and and that, to me, is probably his, his only limitation. Um, he's faster than he looks, but he's, he's not going to set the world alight. But, but I think he is every bit a first grader and will develop into every bit of first grader. But for whatever reason, he has become um, the new Mitchell Pierce, the new Braitha Nasta, um, the, the bloke that's just easy to kick the shit out of when, um, when the media decides to, to turn on someone, which they do every second week. Uh, unfair on the kid, unfair on the club. I, I hope he gets a crack, a proper crack, not a not a not a Trent Barrett two week crack or one week crack. I hope he gets a proper crack at it, and 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 I think he succeeds. It's going to be difficult looking at the draw next year. First oh. six rounds, we've got four top four teams. Like I'd be pulling the hammy <laughs> in pre late in preseason and and coming back for round eight. Oh. I think Burton will be good though. We watched him, um, Scotty and I watched him this year playing reserve grade for Penrith. And after all the talk in the off season about Canterbury trying to force him to the dogs early so he can get some first grade and Penrith's holding back his development because they're not picking him. I saw him play against the Mounties at Bank West. Yeah. Uh, and within like 10, 15 minutes, we're like, he's all class. None yeah. of it affected him. He controlled the whole game. He was throwing himself around more than anyone else on that field. Hey, big kid too. Big, big frame. Um, there's certain guys, and I don't know how it works, that, that don't look like big units when you see them on telly next to other big units. The ones that stand out, Trent Barrett and Braithen Astor, they are huge men standing next to, you know, Short ass, short little fat blokes like myself. Matt Burton's a big kid, uh, so he's, he's going to grow into his body. He's going to get stronger um, if he can keep up that pace. Yeah, because he's a genuine football player as well. So, where do you think the Bulldogs would come in if you had to put the cap on, or the right? How, how many teams are there in the comp next year? Sixteen. Sixteen. <laughs> I had to think of that for a second. <laughs> the Dolphins are the year after. Yeah, Dolphins year after. I don't get that in the, the whole buy thing. That yeah, it's annoying. Buy. Uh, Harold beat the buy in 2023. That's the good thing. Uh, where do I see him coming? I have not looked um, closely enough at rosters. Um, and I think, I still think there's 
quite a bit of roster movement to go. And I wouldn't be surprised if you blokes are right in the middle of it. Um, it, You're certainly going to improve on last year, and you you have to. Um, First couple of weeks, as you said, boys, are an absolute nightmare. I don't know if you're challenging for a spot in the eight in 22, but I don't think you're far off. I've got a feeling this comp in 22 is going to have that amazing last month of footy where there's 14 sides still in contention for semi-final football, but 10 of them are going to be spot fighting for four spots. Um, I think it's, it's going to be a cracking year. And then it, and when it gets like that, then it comes down to uh, injuries and survival of the fittest boys. I'm, if you guys don't get off to the great start, how long's Trent Barrett there for? Well, there's already reports saying he's got eight weeks. So if you believe that. Um... If, if you believe, if that's true, and it's coming from an inside source, he's gone. Because the first yeah. six weeks, or is it six or seven? Uh, absolute. You know, it's tough. It is really, really tough. Mm. I don't agree with removing coaches mid-season. Unless you're signing Wayne Bennett or somebody of that ilk, mm. someone that's clearly a step up, let's yeah. say. Just let them ride out the year and bring someone else in starting next year. Yeah, I'm still, um, and this is me being honest and loyal, uh, I still think they got the call wrong with Dean Pay. I thought he was the right guy for the job. I thought he was a Bulldogs guy. And there's two clubs I say this about and only two. Eagles, they need an Eagles guy. And the Bulldogs, they need a Bulldogs guy. The rest of the coaches can come and go. But I think those two clubs and the culture on which they have built and generated, they need genuine Bulldogs guys. So I think I think Dean was harsh done by. That's it's all happened. Past is past. Um and we move on, um, but Trent's not going to be afforded too much longer. Uh, you wouldn't think if if things don't change. That's right. You touched on the buy situation, so I want to throw it out to you. Who's Team Eighteen, and when when do we see Team Eighteen? It'll be. I think it's it's it has to be Perth. Uh, whether that's the right decision or wrong decision, it's the financial decision. And um, creating an extra time slot. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Wow. The money generated from that alone by creating an extra time slot because of the time difference between West Coast and East Coast, I don't see, I don't even see it as a competition. But I have been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. So, uh, but if it were, if it were me uh, and the, the and the, the dollars and cents look like and sound like what's being reported, I think it has to be Perth. Interviewed Matty Guy last week, and I said, "Does Perth work?" He said, "Absolutely, it does." Because now we've got the Melbourne Storm blueprint, mm. not the Adelaide Rams, not the South Queensland Pr- Crushers blueprint. 
We got the Melbourne Storm blueprint on how to create a team environment, culture, and fan base out of rugby league heartland. I thought about that, and he's he's a hundred percent right too. And there's still more of a rugby league culture in Perth that is still in Victoria. Yeah, like that's right. Participation numbers and stuff too. Yeah. Would would a sorry, Scotty, just gone back, bang, bang, bang. But would a would the Bears work in Perth? It's ugly, isn't it? It's like saying, "Can we can we move the Sharks over there?" Yes. Uh, well, we've got the Swans, right? So the Swans would have been would have died if they didn't move to Sydney. So yep. I see that as more of a comparison than saying the Sharks to Perth. Yeah, no, because good. they're not, not in the comp. Yeah. Great call. Great call. Um, but the Bears, whilst the Bears mean something to us over here on the East Coast, they mean in all likelihood, nothing to anyone on the West Coast. And they're talking about mining money being um, the catalyst for, you know, any proposed 18th side. Do they give a rat's ass or are they just in it to start something fresh and create their own brand? Um, I, I, mm. I'd love to see the Bears back. I would love it. I would love it. I grew up watching the, you know, the Bears every second or third Saturday. But what do the what would the Bears or what could the Bears bring to a club based on the West Coast? Not saying a whole lot. Even if it's a feeder system, you know, that's yeah. great uh, and whatnot. But you're still largely sourcing externally for your players, your top 30. Um yeah, probably not. Andy, you're the, just for this uh, little game, you're the NRL CEO for 2023. The Dolphins have came in, so all the decisions have been made. You've got to tell someone on Magic Weekend they're not participating. Which team gets told they're not coming to the rugby league? <laughs> oh, harsh. And thank you for listening to Andy <laughs> on the podcast. Anyone that's listening's just turned out and they're currently driving to find me. Um... <laughs> You know what? I am hoping common sense prevails. Hear me out. I'm not a common sense guy normally. I'm, I'm more the I'm more the drunken, erratic decision maker, um, and then apologise later. What about if if we're doing magic round in 2023, and the world is back to normal? Surely, New Zealand. Mm. Surely say thank you to the fans and the country for staying with us for, for two years. I would love to see as good as it is for Brisbane and as wonderful as it is. And I get that. Um, I would love to give back to our Kiwi mates. And I think that would be the ultimate thank you. And you know what? I reckon you could even, you could even spice it up a little more by having magic weekend in two venues. So having four games in Auckland and four games in Christchurch and or Wellington or, or, you know, down in Dunedin under the dome, um, you know, you generate twice the, uh, uh, twice the crowd, maybe twice the interest. Uh, obviously a lot of work would have to go into it, but I, I would love to see New Zealand rewarded. And I don't know who you tell. 
<laughs> that they um, they don't have a spot. We go through the sides. Uh, roosters can't fit into the stadium under the sombrero. <laughs> Eagles, because no one likes you. Bronco, penalty Broncos, you're out. Um, you don't criticise the Warriors. I'm terrified of their fans. So the Warriors do get a start. And obviously the Eels and the Bulldogs get a start. Um, so flip a coin amongst the other ones. Yeah. I, how would you do that? Um, Where, where's the draw get done? The draw gets done by a, a mathematics company in Toronto, Canada, doesn't it? A couple of years ago, I wasn't. I haven't heard anything contrary yeah. to that. Yeah. Well, this might break the computers in Toronto. This <laughs> <laughs> this uh, bye week stuff. Could you imagine? Any paint a picture for you. Round one in twenty twenty three. Um, we'll say the Eels in twenty twenty two had a great year. Yeah. Maybe just fell a little bit short. They've recruited well. Maybe they've added a bit more. They've lost a few, but they've added quite a few players to the list. Uh, excited for round one and Parramatta gets whacked with the bye week one. Isn't that depressing? <laughs> I'll wait for next week. Here's one for you. Okay. When do you play Dolphins Broncos? I'd Ooh. say like round seven, round six, round seven. I did an interview the other day and they said, oh, surely we're going to start 2023 with Broncos Dolphins. Nah. I said, are you stoned? But that's giving that's that's giving it away straight away, don't you? You lead into it and tease into it because it's going to draw. It's the old wrestling promoters theory: it's going to draw money whenever it's on. Mm. So too is round one, so you don't combine the two. Well, you'd want um, the Dolphins to maybe play a big Sydney brand that will sell yeah. out, then play the the Titans that will sell maybe, out, what if- and then play the Broncos that will sell out. Yeah, play Broncos first; it'll just go down. Downhill from there. Played the Cowboys week one. North Queensland. It's like a Queensland rivalry, but obviously the big distance between the cities. Yeah, not 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 a bad shout at all. (laughs) All righty. Um, I've taken up a lot of your time, Andy, and thank you so much for that. I think Scott and I have been looking forward to this ever since you said, Yep, you're on. Um, so thanks for that. Is there anything that you would like to mention, talk about, or throw out at the end of this episode? Yep, I've I'm three beers deep in now and I've been holding on for a squirt for about the last 45 (laughs) minutes. So I've really struggled here. Um, I would just like to say uh, to your loyal listeners, two good fellas, Scotty and Maddie, um, but from me, um, thank you for your support. It's been a really tough two years. I enjoy looking back on, uh, on the better times and the good times and the, the messages uh, that I got at the time of the Fox departure and still get every week. Uh, I get back to everyone. I cannot tell you how much of a difference it makes to someone's week. Um, and there's a lesson in that for all of us that we, you know, always check in on your buddy and always tell your mates you love them and, um, and live life positively because you guys have all had a hugely positive effect on me over the last 18 months put a smile on my face and for that I say thank you very much you Bulldogs legends